if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten, past o'clock on this Tuesday. Thanks for being with us. It's the ninth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord 2020. And as noted, it is a Tuesday. And you know what that means. It's this guy's day. Then we had the Michael Brown incident in Ferguson. We had consent decrees issued all over the place. You had the Ferguson effect and police withdrawing from active policing because of the fear of being attacked such as Darren Wilson, being accused of all manner of nefarious things, and the consent decrees also bound their hands also. So for that That's Peter Kersenow, of course, and Peter Kersenow is our regular Tuesday guest. Last night he was a guest of Tucker Carlson's on maybe the best news talk show uh, on television. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, a Cleveland attorney. Good to have you back on the air here, Peter. How are you, sir? Doing well, Bob. Uh, considering 96 days until the beginning of the football season, I am truly hopeful, however, that the worst commissioner in the history of sports doesn't countenance kneeling because I was almost checking out the last time this occurred. But if it occurs this time, I'm out. As much He's as I'm a it. football fan, yeah, well, you know what? Then I'm out. I can't tolerate it. Sorry. Football's not that important, despite the fact that I've played it, I've watched it, I love it to death. But you know what? Love America more, love facts more, and if these idiots and cowards continue to persist in this false narrative, I'm checking out. I've got more important things to do than watch football played by a bunch of over-pampered millionaires who have an IQ of 14. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that, but it bothers the heck out of me. Yeah, um, you can imagine how I feel about it, Pete, because I've been the same football fan that you have been for my entire life. Uh, I have revered the game. I haven't always revered the league, but I revere the game. I love the, 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 the entirety of the game, the philosophy of it, the competitiveness of it, everything that it brings. And I've got a, a son who aspires to be in it one day. Uh, and as all, and that's not to say he's going to be, as all Division I football players, uh, you know, wish and hope one day they'll be in the NFL. So does my son. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm on the verge of doing the same thing, turning it off, even though it is something that hope, I hope one day my son can be employed by. But he has already, Roger Goodell, you're speaking of, he has already declared that the NFL was wrong in its previous stance to, uh, to, uh, deny, uh, players the opportunity to protest publicly by taking a knee during the national anthem. You'll 
you'll recall that he said you have to do that stuff in the locker room or in the tunnel if you want to, but if you're going to be on the field, you must be standing. So he's already acknowledged it's wrong. And anybody who challenges anything about the Black Lives Matter narrative in the country right now, and anybody who dares to uh, bring up pesky little things like facts that dispute the notion that African Americans are facing a white genocide or genocide by white people uh, in this country, they're going to be dragged on social media until they uh, until they capitulate. And Pete, that's not going to change come August. No, you're right. It's not unfortunately going to change in August because this has been going on now for 35 years. Our colleges and universities have been um, dominated by the left for a long time. So that's the narrative that you hear. It is false. And I'm being charitable when I say false, Bob, because false assumes that maybe you got your facts wrong. It was a mistake. They don't get their facts simply wrong. Maybe the students do because they may not know any better. But the professors politicians, um, those folks know better, which means they're lying. And if they don't know better, they're not qualified to be teaching anybody. The fact of the matter is, and I've been repeating this over and over on your show, Bob, I've been repeating on Tucker Carlson's show, and there are a few other people who've been saying, but very, very few have been saying it, and that is that this narrative, there's a twofold narrative, Bob, as you know, one is that uh, police are disproportionately shooting uh, blacks. And then the other narrative is the one that you saw in the videotape of Ahmed Aubrey being uh, chased, as awful as that was. And that was awful. There's no excuse for that. No excuse for what happened to um, um, uh, Floyd, George Floyd. But the narrative is that, as Joy Reid said, that blacks are being hunted down by racist whites. Both those narratives are not just false. They're upside down because the truth is just the opposite of that. Bob, you and yeah, I. By the way, you, you, we did this the other day too, Pete. Uh, you, you mentioned Joy Reid using that vernacular. So did LeBron James, who has a much, much, much larger platform than Joy Reid does. He declared that we are being on an Instagram post. We, meaning black people, are being straight up hunted after the Arbery video. Yeah, right. As a social commentator, LeBron James is a very good basketball player. Amen. I'll just leave it at that. But he's got a platform <laughs> that reaches so many he millions does. of worshippers. Yeah, you better believe it. And that's just it. The media is dominated by leftists. Many of them are propagating what they know to be lies. Others are just ignorant to the fact that these are lies. And as I said on Tucker, uh, I'll just repeat myself because it doesn't make sense for me to try try to say anything different. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, look, I'm the longest serving member of the Civil Rights Commission. I've been fighting this battle for a long time. I marinate in this data. We get it. This is where the repository of all the data. We've had hearings on this stuff. Um, nothing remarkable has changed in terms of the status of the data. By the way, I, I need to pause, and I'm, I apologize. There's just so much to say. Yesterday, I was asked by the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, to testify tomorrow on this very issue. Uh, Floyd George's, um, uh, I'm sorry, George Floyd's, brother is going to be testifying. There are others who are going to be testifying. But I was asked by the Republicans to testify. It'd be tough for me to do because I work, you know, but I have an obligation to the nation to do so, I think, to set the record straight. So I said, yes, I'll do so. So as you know, the Democrats dominate the uh, House, so they control the witness list. Uh, They control the proceedings. They control how long the proceedings are going to occur. So they presented my name to the Democrats, and lo and behold, and this is not the first time this has happened to me, Democrats magically don't need or a, a, any more witnesses, and I'm, I'm not no, no longer going to be testifying, okay? Um, the idea here, and you know this is the case, the media, 
the Democrats, but I repeat myself, want to maintain control of the narrative. You can't have facts intrude on a narrative. And when you look at the narrative, the narrative of blacks being disproportionately shot by cops, completely untrue. There have been a number of studies on this, very detailed, granular studies, and these are studies that are not done by right-wingers. You're talking about studies done by Harvard, the National Academy of Sciences, then you have the Uniform Crime Reports of the FBI, the National Victimhood Survey, and when you look at the data, the most uh, recent studies, the National Academy of Sciences, and they say, after doing all kinds of, you know, twists and turns, that a black suspect is slightly less likely to be shot than a white suspect by cops, okay? But there are other studies that show it's more than slightly. In other words, there is a study that shows that whites, unarmed whites in the commission of a crime are, and similarly situated in all respects to black suspects, are almost two times as likely to be shot by a cop than an unarmed black person. This is intuitively correct, because think about it. After everything we've seen over the last 15, 20 years, white cops are extremely reluctant, to put it mildly, to pull their revolvers in a case of a confrontation with a black suspect, because they've seen what's happened to Darren Wilson and other, black, uh, other white cops. Now, I'm not defending any of the folks who've done bad news, and three, three, uh, bad things. There are 330 million people in the United States. You're going to have racist cops, doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. So you're going to have some bad cops out there, and no one defends that. But this narrative is what's driving what we're seeing right now. If this was a one-off, if the Floyd case was a one-off, you wouldn't be seen rioting in the streets. You wouldn't see people being, uh, uh, you know, setting houses on fire, uh, maybe demonstrations, but you wouldn't be seeing what we're currently seeing. But because a narrative suggests, as LeBron James does, that, you know, all these cops are killing black people, that's what's driving all this, and people are getting killed as a result. And it's being done for political opportunism. There are a lot of progressives out here who would rather see cities burn than tell the truth and maybe jeopardize their ability to get elected. Well, when we come back... Peter, when we come back, I'm going to ask about Minneapolis, which wants to defund police, because there is a growing movement of people, or at least questions being asked by people, as to whether or not we shouldn't root them on. Let them defund police and abolish police and watch that city burn, just as a lesson so that no city ever considers such a move again. And we all know what the vast majority of victims of such a scenario would be. And I'll let you tell that coming up on AM 1420 News. All right, 1021, we continue now. Well done there, DJ Derek, by the way. Uh, Peter Kirsten now continues with us right now. Pete, before we get into Minneapolis and the idea of, uh, idea of defunding police, uh, have you ever met Terry Crews by chance? No, I haven't. Um, okay. Uh, only, I think you introduced me to him, Bob. I did? <laughs> no, I'm just oh, oh, being facetious. Oh, okay, sorry about that. I think you sent me a photo of him at one point. Oh yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I did. Yeah. Well, you would recognize him uh, as as being, you know, uh, as being the second best physique in the uh, photo of you standing with him. Uh, Terry Crews is uh, Terry. No, he, Terry Crews is uh, is um, obviously a, an extraordinarily popular entertainer. He is an actor and he is the host of America's Got Talent, which is to me the best of the reality uh, talent shows or competitions or whatever that are out there. He's just a pers- personality that everybody loves. Black people love him. White people love him. Well, the former not so much anymore. 
Pete, I just want to share this with you and see, get your thoughts. Because it's about the narrative being challenged. Um, Terry Crews tweeted these words, quote, Defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Like it or not, we are all in this together. So, Pete, or excuse me, Terry just basically says, I don't believe in white supremacy. I don't want black supremacy. I want equality. That's the truth. That's what we should all strive for, all in this together equally. And he has been dragged by black Twitter. He is just getting pummeled. He's the uncle. He's the same thing that that um, Larry Elder and that um, you know uh, Thomas Sowell and Candace Owens and Peter Kersenow and all a number of black people who don't toe the hay. Republican racists are trying to kill us all. We need to make them atone, make them pay reparations, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're the Uncle Toms and the Coons and so on and so forth. But Terry Crews just said, you know what, everybody? Let's be equal. I don't want black people to rise up and be, have supremacy any more than I want white people to have it. Let's be equal. And apparently that makes him a race traitor. We've had about 35 years now of this woke politics, this critical race theory that has been taught in our grade schools, high schools, and predominantly college. And now we're seeing the result of it. We've had at least two generations that have been steeped in the ideology of victimhood and, frankly, a false Howard Zinn model of history. And, you know, if you teach lies, you're going to get people who spout lies. People learned well. They're spouting their lies. Or, or, look, I think a lot of people don't know their lies, uh, but clearly political opportunists know their lies, and they're doing it for political advantage. That's what's really despicable. Billions of dollars in property damage, lives are being lost, lives are being destroyed, because people are perpetuating a lie either for political advantage or some type of emotional um, need that needs to be fulfilled. Whatever it is, they're perpetuating lives that are doing untold damage. But it's getting worse, Bob, because, as I said on Tucker last night, we're at a point now where if you've you know, you're a student of history, you know that this is one of the most dangerous points we've ever been at as a society. Uh, I don't want to overstate the matter, but whole notions of Western civilization are being thrown in the trash. Notions of equality and liberty are being discarded. Group politics is replacing individual liberty. It's... um. We've seen this kind of thing happen. I don't want to, again, don't want to overstate it, but you've seen it in certain revolutionary struggles throughout the world where this has transpired, and they happen fast. They happen in the blink of an eye, and we need to be very vigilant and and protect against it. Otherwise, we're going to go down a path that it's going to be very difficult to draw back from. Bob, I want to give you a couple facts for your audience. Many of them know this. I know I get their their, um, emails and um, uh, texts every day. Okay. But just so they're armed with information, because it's tough to go out there when every news station says the same thing and they're all telling lies. Again, you can take these data to the bank. They come from, among other places, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, the Uniform Crime Reports of the, the FBI, the National Victimhood Surveys, go down the list, okay? First, the whole thing about blacks being disproportionately targeted, false. If anything, whites are being disproportionately targeted. Not by a lot, but at least one study says twice as often. That's not 10% or 20%, that's 100% more often. Second, 
blacks are underrepresented in terms of shooting compared to overrepresentation in crime. It gives me no pleasure to say that blacks commit vastly more crimes and violent crimes than whites, and they're going to have more encounters with police as a result that may result in some type of violent confrontation. When you control for that factor, the, the data are enormous. For example, blacks are 6.8 times more likely to be arrested for murder than whites, 2.74 times more likely to kill a cop and cops are 18.5 times more likely to be killed by a black man than an unarmed black man is to be killed by a cop. Those are extraordinary and painful data points, but they confront and confound the narrative that's being spewed by social justice warriors and the media, but I repeat myself. In terms of interracial crimes, where you know we saw that hor- horrendous video, and videotape, by the way, and social media is, is just distorting everything to death. Uh, but in any event, we saw the videotape of Ahmed Arbery being tracked down and shot. So LeBron James apparently believes that this is an everyday occurrence in terms of you know being hunted down, as Joy Reid would say. Right. Here's the facts. Again, it gives me no pleasure to say this, but it saves black lives to be honest about this stuff because people are talking about defunding the cops. You want to, you want to see a slaughter of blacks as a result? That is what's going to cause a slaughter of blacks. Interracial crimes, blacks are 13.4% of the population right now, 13.4. In terms of the commission of interracial crimes, blacks are responsible for 85.5% of interracial violent crimes. Who's being hunted? This is That, is, that, is that number, Peter, every time I read it, and I've read it to my audience too, I, I, I can't get my brain around that. No, no we're not can. talking. We're not talking, you know, 55, 45. Which would still mean the argument of blacks being hunted and, and, and being exterminated by whites and racist cops. Um, if it was 55, 45, it would be, the, the, the narrative would be wrong. If it was 60, 40, if it was 70, it's 85, 15. 85% of the interracial, violent, felonious crimes are committed by blacks against whites. 15%, actually 14.4% are white against blacks. And yet we are screaming on every network, and they're painting it in giant block yellow letters uh, down the uh, uh, the avenue there in D.C. leading up to the, to the White House, Black Lives Matter, as if somehow black lives are the ones that are being threatened on a daily basis. Pete, it's insanity. It's madness. It is insanity, and it's for a political imperative. You see the... the um Mayor of Washington spray painting that stuff, and she's being lauded by MSNBC for doing that. A mayor defacing her own city. This, we're at a point now that if we go down anywhere near this path, and you've got all these Democrats saying defund and abolish the police, if we go anywhere, by the way, I think that's a gigantic political mistake, one of the greatest of all time, but we'll see. We're in a changed society now, so it may not be as big as I think it is, but nonetheless, you've got ostensibly responsible individuals making some of the most howlingly irresponsible comments. They're saying, look, Bob, you and I talked about the fact that the first obligation of government is not to make transgender bathroom assignments, but to secure the property and persons of the citizenry within the jurisdiction secure the that's the first obligation and yet 
in an election year, you've got people who are basically auditioning for a job, interviewing for the job of being a mayor or a governor, saying they want to defund or abolish the police. If you are applying to be anything, a surgeon, and saying that, and they asked you, okay, what kind of surgeries are going to perform? And you say, well, I'm not going to perform surgeries. You probably wouldn't get hired. If you're a dentist and you say, well, I'm not going to perform fillings, you probably wouldn't get hired. Here they're saying, I refuse to perform the first obligation of government. Truly stunning. This has real-world implications because we've been so dumbed down. I'm getting way too wound up. We're getting a lot of false information. It's not going to help. We've seen bad revolutionary occurrences throughout history based on this kind of false narrative where uh, ethnicities or races are pitted against one another. It never ends well. Do not tolerate it. Pete, we're going to talk to you later this week because your time is a little short today. And we're going to ask you a little bit more about Minneapolis, which we just didn't get to. And I want to know if they are successful in defunding police. Who is going to be called when there is a violent crime in progress? Who is going to be called after there is a murder? Yeah, I don't know. Ghostbusters or, or you know, Psychologist Central? Uh, they're going to come in, you know, especially while something is going on. Are they going to call a psychologist or a psychiatrist to come in and talk somebody down? Uh, because police won't be around. Uh, they will be dis, uh, disbanded. So I want to talk about what really happens. Byron York did some great work uh, in asking about that today in the Examiner, and we'll talk uh, to you about that later this week. Peter, thank you. Take care, Bob. That's Kirsten now on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1031, news time, then your calls right here on the Bob Francis Show. Thirty-seven. That leaves us with 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you on this Tuesday broadcast. And I want to try to pivot, semi-pivot, but really tie a couple of things together now. Um, we've been discussing at length the uh, discussion of um, and the plans and the desire for those on the left, particularly in the city of Minneapolis, to defund the police. Uh, many Democratic senators refused to answer the question, by the way. I found that interesting. Senate Democrats, every Democrat in the Senate, was asked if they would support defunding the police. And every Democrat in the Senate, according to the Daily Caller, who did the uh, little uh, survey, refused to answer. Refused to say th- something simple like, of course not. We need police. They keep us safe. Of course not. We need police. We need to fix some things to make sure that the Derek Chauvins of the world are weeded out. But, of course, we don't want to. They just refuse to say. They refuse to disagree with the notion. Why? Because they don't want to be dragged by Black Lives Matter. Dragged, by the way, is an online term. It's when somebody just, you know, they go trending on one of the ridiculous, satanic uh, t- uh, social media sites, and their name just gets dragged through the mud. Their history, everything they've ever said and done, is just prodded and poked until and it bleeds, and, uh, and eventually the, uh, the online body dies. So, um, so they don't want to say anything about that. Um, so I want to talk about the defunding of the police, and I want to tie the protests that led us to that point in with the story that kind of seems to have been forgotten about, and that is the Chinese coronavirus, because it's rather interesting the turn that things have t- uh, the turn that has been taken, I guess now, uh, by those in the news cycle, who were so adamant that nobody be allowed to go outside in large groups 
because of the threat of this deadly, dangerous virus. You recall, don't you? Wasn't that long ago we were told no gatherings bigger than 10 because you're going to get too close to somebody else. And if you're asymptomatic, you don't even think you're sick. You, you're, you feel totally healthy, but you're carrying it anyway. You're going to make other people sick, and we're going to have all kinds of death and destruction. This is what we were told, right? Well, until Antifa, George Soros, and Black Lives Matter got together to collectively destroy cities across America, starting out in quote-unquote protests and devolving into riots. But let's just focus on the protest part of that for a moment. Because the health organizations that we are told to trust, the health officials that we are told um, can do no wrong, they're the ones that we need to be listening to, decided that they know exactly how this virus works. The virus only attacks groups of people that they don't like. There was a letter written and signed by over a thousand quote-unquote health experts that announced, quote, as public health advocates, we do not condemn these protest gatherings as risky for COVID-19 transmission. This should not be confused, they write, with a permissive stance on all gatherings, particularly protests against stay-at-home orders. Are, are you following that? The health experts spoke en masse and declared that if you are gathered together in a protest against quarantines, the virus going to get you. <laughs> you're in trouble now. It's going to get you. You better stay home because you're going to spread that virus everywhere. It's going to get you, and then you're going to give it to other people, and it's bad. But if you are gathered to protest not the quarantines, but if you're gathered to protest against police departments and against um, against the racial discrimination in America, then the virus isn't going to be effective in getting you. Literally, they wrote, we do not condemn these gatherings as risky for COVID-19 transmission. And that's just a letter from health professionals. Now let's get into the exact orders put in place by health department officials like Dr. Labcoat. This one came from the Dr. Labcoat in Contra Costa, Contra Costa County, California. Updated stay-at-home order. Number one, social outdoor gatherings may be held with a, with a limit up to 12 people. Number two, protest outdoor gatherings may be held with a limit of up to 100 people. So if you and the neighbors want to get together for a barbecue and a 13th person steps onto your property, COVID alert, COVID alert, COVID alert, get out the swabs, get the contact tracers in place. There's 13 people on somebody's patio. But those 100 people downtown marching uh, against the police and chanting defund the police and Black Lives Matter, they're good. Here's another one. Health experts say you should still close your businesses because COVID can indeed still infect people who are shopping in your businesses. You should also commit to staying indoors unless it's to protest. Then come on out into the open air. 
Bring your signs, bring your bricks, bring your frozen water bottles, bring your urine bombs, bring your sledgehammers, bring your bats, and get out there and show everybody what's what. COVID won't affect you. This is what's going on in this country. Even the coronavirus is racial now. Even the coronavirus is is political. Well, it's always been political, but now it's just so much more egregious. If you are outdoors protesting against the quarantine that says you should stay indoors and that there are still strict limitations on and restrictions on what your business can do, you are going to get the vid. But if you're out there protesting against racial injustice, you are vid-free. You are, you are immune from the COVID-19 virus. How about that? Isn't that spectacular? Which brings me to the other big story of the day. The World Health Organization declaring yesterday that the spread of the Chinese coronavirus from people who have no symptoms, meaning they are asymptomatic, that word we've heard for the last several weeks, people who have no symptoms appears to be very rare. So rare as to be virtually non-existent. Excuse me. Research shows that many patients, particularly young and otherwise healthy people, may carry the virus but have no symptoms whatsoever or very mild symptoms, said Maria von Kirchhoff, head of the WHO's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis. Zoonosis, that's a word. I didn't know that until now. Unit and a news briefing. From the data we have, it seems to be very rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. A number of countries are not finding secondary transmission. It is very rare. In other words, the people that are in danger of sharing and spreading the virus are the ones who are sick, the ones who sneeze constantly, the ones who have shortness of breath, the ones who are coughing. Asymptomatic people who aren't coughing and aren't sneezing aren't transmitting the disease. Very rare, virtually non-existent. That means everything we've been told for the last three months is a lie. The quarantines were put in place by people like Dr. Labcoat in Ohio and Governor DeWine, who's tucked neatly into the Labcoat's right pocket. The orders were given because... We were told that you might be a carrier and not even know it because you may be asymptomatic and you can spread it to three, four, five people. The R not number was going to be around four or five. And then each of them spread it to four or five and suddenly we've got millions of people, uh, that are, that are dying of this. This is what we were told. Right? Come to find out it's all garbage. And what we said back in March, should have been followed, which is, how about you quarantine people who are actually sick? Tell people who have any of these symptoms to stay home. Healthy people go to work. Healthy people who don't feel any of those symptoms go to the game. Go to the market. Go to the street fair. Go to there. Go there. Healthy people are fine. This is what we said. You don't quarantine healthy people. They said, yeah, but healthy people might be sick or carrying the disease, and they don't even know it. Now come to find out the WHO that we were told to put our trust in is telling us, yeah, we were wrong about that. Asymptomatic people aren't spreading it. That news today should hit the mumbling, bumbling, pro-abortionist lab coat named Amy Acton right between the eyes and make her immediately sign an order saying, yeah, everything else I said before was bullcrap. 
Everybody's free. No restrictions. Go do your thing. We still encourage people who are sick to stay home. But everybody else, if you don't have any symptoms, you're good to go. You think she'll do that? You think she'll surrender the power that has fueled her power trip? Of course she won't. At the bare minimum, I say this. At the bare minimum, the mask rule, the ridiculous fear mask, well, everybody should wear one because if you're asymptomatic, you could still spread it through droplets coming from your mouth to other people. So wear it for other people's benefit. Bullcrap. Horse hockey. They are now saying that people who are asymptomatic can't spread it. So therefore, why make people who are asymptomatic wear the fear masks on the job or wherever it is that they want to require them? The fear masks have been completely uh, proven useless. Now that they know. Now that the W, you were told, don't, don't, don't dare dismiss the WHO. The World Health Organization knows all. Okay, okay. Well, here they are saying asymptomatic people, people can't spread it. So why require masks for everybody? Don't wear the fear masks. As a matter of fact, I have an, uh, until they actually issue the order, taking that requirement of all employees down and destroying that order. My suggestion to you is. Rather than wear the fear mask, wear the badge that an organization I work with is, is giving away to free new member, free to new members. Numerous studies have proven that medical face masks can be dangerous to the health of some people. All of the information I'm talking about is online at citizensforfreespeech.org. I'm a member. Become a member of citizensforfreespeech.org and receive a free laminated blue card with a lanyard that you can wear around your neck when you walk into businesses or you walk into any place that tries to demand that you wear a face covering. Because it outlines your rights to refuse face coverings on medical grounds. Wear that card, not the fear mask. Go to Citizens for Free Speech, all spelled out, citizensforfreespeech.org. Become a member, get a, uh, get a card, they'll mail it to you with a lanyard. Put that on when you walk into stores, places of business, etc., etc. Anybody tries to say, hey, you have to have a mask in here, you show them that card. Legally, you do not have to wear that mask. You have the right to refuse it on medical grounds, and they have no right to inquire as to what your medical condition is, because HIPAA laws prevent them from doing so. Get your card at citizensforfreespeech.org. Quick time out right back. Ten fifty four, final segment of the authority this morning. Thanks for being with us. I'm gonna to go to uh Frank and Brook Park next on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Hi Frank, go ahead. Thank you. Uh that Black Matters group is totally disingenuous, deceitful. They, uh, you know, in Cleveland, there's about 10,000 abortions, killings of infant, infant children every year in Cleveland, Ohio. And they say not a word about the infant children. They're worried about their own selves, a bunch of mean people. And, uh, you know, 80% approximately are the black ones that die. That's, that's about 80, that's 8,000 a year in Cleveland. 
And that's intentional, by the way. That's intentional. Planned Parenthood and organizations like that intentionally place their clinics within walking distance of minority communities because that is exactly what the vision for uh, for uh, the black race that Margaret Sanger and other racists and eugenicists, eugenicists had was to wipe out the black race. And you're right. Black Lives Matter is completely hypocritical if they do not condemn the extraordinarily high abortion rate of black babies. Yep. That's the main point. Thank you. I'm glad glad you did, Frank. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. You're 100% right, and it doesn't get stated enough. You know who stated it yesterday? My friend Lawrence from Cleveland. He's a sometimes caller to the show, but he's a a very, very loyal, dedicated listener. He's an African-American, and he's one of the smartest guys I know, just quite simply. He really is. I mean, just from conversations I've had with him on the air through the last several years uh, that I've been on the air in Cleveland, and that's been since 2006 uh, consistently, I've talked to Lawrence. And uh, Lawrence uh, called out and pointed out that fact yesterday, and he posted this on Facebook. I wonder if I can bring this up real fast. Uh, On Facebook yesterday, he went to University Hospital and a bunch of medical professionals were outside having a Black Lives Matter rally. This is Lawrence's quote on his tweet. He said, I was nervous, but I had some words for them. Notice how quiet they got when I mentioned blacks killed by other blacks as well as abortions. Let me see if I can share this. All black lives matter or just some black lives? <laughs> the black lives killed by black men matter, right? Yes. Yes. The black babies killed in the abortions clinics matter, right? Thought so. The black, the black officers killed by that bastard in, in Minnesota, that matters too, right? Okay. But the black babies that are killed in the abortion clinics don't matter, do they? Medical people. Uh, do their lives matter? Does the future of our black babies matter? Huh? What's up? What's up? Awful quiet now, aren't they? Lawrence is, is awesome. I salute him for his courage. I commend and respect him for his brilliance. He's just, like I said, he's a very smart guy. I talk to him on a regular basis. I wish he would call back more often, to be honest with you. But Lawrence, uh, thank you, and God bless you for making the point. He goes out there to this virtue-signaling, mostly white staff of medical professionals out there holding up Black Lives Matter signs. Do Black Lives Matter? Yes! Do Black Babies' Lives Matter? Crickets. John and Chardon is next. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, hey, good morning, Bob. A uh, quick question. Do you why do you prefer Twitter over say say a Facebook? I don't prefer it, to be honest with you. It is just more used by more celebrities, by the president, for example. There's just more activity there that gives us a window into the dark souls of of many of the users. They just use it more. Yeah, so you get you get in touch with more people. Well, yeah, I mean, they do. You know, that's why the president's preferred mode of, tra- of communication with people, his, he's got 60-some million Twitter followers, and I don't know anybody who visits his Facebook page. So it's all about Twitter. It's just where all the action is. And sadly, it's sure. also where all the judgment and all of the negativity is, too. Okay. All right. Thanks, Bob. You got it. Appreciate it, my friend. TJ in Cleveland. You're on the air, TJ. Go yeah. ahead. You know, Bob, I'd like to respond to Todd's call yesterday when he said that he knows a lot more black people than you do. Well, you know, I'd like to tell him I know a lot more white people than he does. And I know white people that have been the victim of black crime all the way up to murder. I had a friend whose teenage daughter working at Taco Bell a few years ago was stabbed to death by a black woman in a parking lot. 
I had a neighbor of a brother who you probably remember this one on Christmas Eve went to draw money out of an ATM machine was shot to death in her car by two black men. I know white people that were carjacked by black men. I homes are uh, 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 broken in. Now I'd like to ask Todd, how many black people does he know were murdered by a white person, not counting a policeman? Or how many blacks does he know were carjacked by a white person? Yeah, this is the argument, and thanks for the call, TJ. This is the problem with those arguments. Again, everybody has anecdotal stories. You have them, Todd has them, I have them, but it's the overall statistics of what's really happening that tell the story, not anecdotal stories. Thanks so much for everybody for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye.